Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. The AGP raises the question again. Who will be going for it and who will be getting some testing miles? We're not sort of going there thinking, right, oh, let's go and win, win three or four races or whatever it is. We're going there to uh, try to come out of the weekend with some pretty clear answers and a direction of uh, what we need to do um, with regards to the car to, to fix the areas that it's weak in. We look at all that and more today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. This weekend, the V8s hit the road of Albert Park, but for most, the track time will be a test session rather than a full balls-out race. Pretty well on top of everything, the car, maybe some uh, you know, engine mapping or whatnot, but, uh, but other than that, I think the car's, the car's working really well. You know, we've got good speed out of it, um, consistency and everything else. So just just the, uh, the fuel consumption's uh, something we obviously, I think all teams will uh, work on pretty hard now. Uh, we definitely got a few things to try that we would have liked to this weekend, but we'll hang them out for... For next weekend when it doesn't count for points, so well, uh, hopefully that's better. Uh, the plan will be, obviously, just to try a few things out, a few more things out with um, with setup and get me more familiar with what certain things do to, uh, to the characteristics of the car. Um, and obviously push as hard as I can in qualifying and the race to try and get more out of the car and more out of myself and, um, and see where we end up. They had... Stone Brothers had very good cars there last year, and I think the Irwin car was on the podium in second. Um, so we know we've, you know, that they'll have the pace. It's just a matter of getting on top of it early. So we'll use Albert Park as a bit of a test and try some things, and you know, not really worry about too much about results. So uh, it'll be nice to have a bit of a breather and you know, work out what the car likes and what it doesn't like, and you know, in a race situation, but as well as um, you know, using it as a tester as well. At Clipsal, Lucas Dumbrell rolled out his new car and finally launched his livery with iSelect backing his team. We asked Dumbrell about finally getting his sponsor out into the sport. Yeah, I, I, I think everyone would say, every team up and down pit lane would say it's hard you know, to get sponsors these days, but I suppose you've just got to be able to offer, the, offer a company exactly what they need, and you know, and, um, and I think I, I'm going to be able to do that with iSelect. And, uh, yeah, but, but by no means is it easy to get a sponsor, and that's why, obviously, it's only it's taken me this long. It's, it's fortunately um, a couple of days before the first race, so I've locked it all down, and I, I'm, I'm happy to have them aboard, and I know they're happy to, you know, happy to be involved. Jonathan Webb talked to the V8 Insiders about why he chose not to have the Techno Motorsports car with any part-time sponsors, rather running them all white. No, we're, we're completely avoiding that, actually. We're, uh, there, again, there was a lot of options just as a one or two round thing, but no, we're just hanging out, really looking for something long-term, a, 
a company or a group that we can settle in with and you know, someone we can work with long into the future. Tony D'Alberto, who's also looking for a major sponsor for the rest of the season, has announced that a new windscreen sponsor will be on the car for 2012. Mobile hose service company Hyflex will be giving the team some added support. Todd Kelly talked about his excitement of preparing the Nissan cars of the future and how the build is progressing. We spent two days in a boardroom. We had um, bits and pieces of engine lying all over the table to, to come up with what would be the best thing because th- this is a little bit different. We've only really got one one chance at the engine thing. Um, the, the design of the crank, the, the whole thing, the manifold, whatever we come up with, we're not going to have time to R&D it and change it. So we need to make sure that that's as close to being spot on as we possibly can. So um, the commission has all agreed in, on what the specification will be. So basically that is every single rule that we currently have for the engines other than the overhead cam will need to comply with. So you really want to keep it as close as possible. And for us to try and meet that um, is a pretty big job. But, um, yeah, we've done a lot of work on the engine, engine stuff and uh, and that that's really running in parallel with the, the chassis stuff and it should all come together at about the same time. A crankshaft alone to get the crankshaft designed and landed here is about a 15-week process. So um, we've got all that time to design it. We won't actually have anything to put on the dyno for probably 20 weeks. You can hear more from the doorstop interview in this week's White Flag Lab. Tony Cochran and Dave Malone, the V8C, all told the assembled media at Clipsal that the television rights were progressing well. We have a national footprint, which is very attractive. We bring a great group of sponsors to any network, um, and I think that's well understood by all the media companies out there. So, yeah, there are some, you know, there, there is a bit of traffic out there or a bit of noise out there, but I'm, look, I'm very confident we have, have such a strong offering, we'll be able to cut through. Um, and I think the, the ability that we have to bring, uh, you know, sponsor partners compared to other sports, puts us in a, in a pretty special position. The Australian Financial Review reports this week that online platform Google TV is bidding for the international digital rights of the series. V8 Insiders asked Malone if the internet strategy was now becoming more important than the cable TV rights. No, I wouldn't say it was more important. I think they're all, they all serve different parts of the media mix and, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, what a subscription operator can do for a sport is one thing. What a what a social media service can do, you know, is another. But I think they're all they're all important. But to Tony's point, obviously, the cornerstone is that uh, is that free to air partner, which uh, which uh, we would uh, we would have as the as the starting point. Last week, there was plenty of mention on the show how that presser kicked off. Here for yourself, what was the first announcement of the new year by CEO David Malone? On 2011, and some of the highlights that uh, again um, the the sport delivered through 2011. We had a very, very good year with our television audiences, um, up close to, to double digits in, in 2011, but very, very strong growth um, on our digital media side. Um, we've got around 200,000 Facebook fans now. Um, our Twitter growth was up around 200%. I think it's just an indication of how social media is starting to affect the sports landscape generally, but uh, it's clear that V8 fans are very much in the forefront of, uh, of wanting to uh, participate in the sport uh, and be involved through their smartphones and their iPads and uh, whichever way they can, which I think is very exciting for us as, as a sport going forward. After the break, there'll be more on the V8 Insiders with Grant Rowley and Mark Fogarty joining us. I hope you stay with us. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. 
take in the V8s of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from Auto Action and The Age, it is Mark Fogarty. Good evening, folks. G'day there. And from speedcafe.com.au. Do I need the AU these days? I don't think I do, Grant Rowley. Uh, we ditched that. It's interesting because uh, it's always interesting to ask, do you need things in a formatting sense? Because I'm hoping, Grant, you can explain to me, what the heck is this format for the Grand Prix this weekend? Uh, Well, I guess it's really quite simple, uh, except for the qualifying race, which will uh, happen on Friday, where all the cars will go out, and after three laps, the last three cars will be dropped off, and then every lap after that, the... uh, Another three cars will be dropped off until we uh, end up with the final ten uh, cars buzzing around the track, and they'll go and do, I think it's three or five laps after that, out on their own. All of the uh, quotes I've seen from Fiat Supercars and the Grand Prix Corporation say that, uh, that this will be uh, amazing for the fans. And, you know, it's a nice little quirky concept, and if you're going to do it anywhere, you do it at the Grand Prix. But I don't know how the fans will like it when they see cars peeling off into pit lane and we end up with a... A uh, five-lap, uh, five-lap thing with only ten cars out on the track. I'm not sure how good that's going to look, but um, anyway, you know, if you're going to try it at any race meeting, you do it at the Grand Prix. So uh, let's mix it up and we'll see where it all ends up. Now, folks, I'm known for bagging Speedway a bit too much, but if you're ever going to follow a, a discipline of motorsport, wouldn't Speedway be the last one you'd want to emulate, particularly Speedway in this country? This format at the Grand Prix is just unnecessarily complicated and convoluted, as usual. How the fans, particularly the ones at the track, are supposed to follow it all, given the qualifying race format, and that decides the grid positions for the next race, and something else and something else, and then the overall winner is decided by combined points from three of the races or or something, Um, you know, plus you've got pit stops. You know, in short races and juggling hard and soft tyres. Oh, my head's hurting already, really. Can't we just have four races? You know, ready, set, go. He wins. Goodbye. I guess it is another one of these things where they're going to try and make the TV coverage better, and that's the only excuse you could have for saying a 10-car race is better than a 28-car race, isn't it, folks? Well, it's not going to be real anyway. I mean... The top teams, at least, are going to be trying out, you know, new bits and new approaches. It's just going to be a, essentially a four-day extended test session. So um, I wouldn't be looking to the form shown in Adelaide as, as any guide to this weekend. We'll, we'll have all sorts of um, um, strange results, I suspect, you know, along with the usual, you know, upsets and, and mayhem. So, you know, it's, it should be just what it is, you know. 
good fun, good entertainment. You know, it's the only time that the elite of Formula One ever bothered to look down their nose and take any notice of a support category at a at a Grand Prix. So, you know, it, it, they're good value on their own. They don't need all this contrivance. Mm. Grant, it's interesting because a number of teams have been working diligently to get cars ready for the Grand Prix. And because it is a gap year, these this is the last year we'll be seeing these cars in the main game, we can ill afford, or teams can ill afford, to have wrecks like we saw at last year's Grand Prix event. Uh, yeah, look, you're right, but, um, the, you know, coming straight off clips, we're always bound to see some sort of, uh, some sort of carnage and, and damage it's, it always happens so uh, I guess the teams have kind of been saved a little bit in the fact that there's been two week gap where sometimes we've come to uh, the Grand Prix after Clips and there's only been one week so they've had a little bit of extra time and even then we've still found that uh, John O'Webbs had to borrow a a, uh, a very old chassis uh, that hasn't been racing in the main series for three years or whatever Um you know, to to uh, fulfil the uh, the requirement to to be there, and I don't know. Look, gap year or no gap year, the teams don't want to spend their dough on uh, repairing cars. So the Grand Prix hasn't really bitten too many cars in the uh, in the last little bit, but I'm sure uh, most teams will want to have their cars returned to the garage. Um, you know, first and foremost, straight, and you know, if they pick up some sort of result. That would be a nice little bonus. Mm. I know, folks, when I went up and down pit lane at the end of Clipsal, everyone was talking about the parts, the components they wanted to test. So it beggars the question, is this uh, really even, a, even should it be called a race? As you said, a glorified test session is really how the teams treat it. And does this just highlight the fact that unless you're racing for championship points, you might as well not call it racing? It's an exhibition event pure and simple always has been always will be until the stars align and the v8s and formula one end up on the same network which you know is a possibility from next year if 10 were to get up and grab back the v8 rights we might get some sort of alignment but um otherwise it is what it is entertainment and very good entertainment and quite crucial to the grand prix you know look what happened for one year since it's been in melbourne that they missed out in 2006 it had a uh, severe effect on the gate takings and the uh, corporate hospitality takings as well, you know. Um, it's not quite the tail wagging the dog, but the, the V8s are a very crucial and fundamental part of the Grand Prix support program. And one of the things on that support program, Fogues, is the uh, concerts. And this year there's been a, a huge cry from the uh, from fans and, and people saying, well, I normally buy a ticket and get a race meeting and a concert. Now I've got to pay extra for the concert. It's sort of why even bother having the concert on the bill if you're paying extra money for it? And I think you've famously uh, laughed at some of these concert ideas anyway. Well, yeah, I mean... No sympathy from me. I, I've never believed that concerts, especially big act, big name act concerts, have any place at major motorsport meetings. You know, like I always say, I've never been to an air show and seen a motor, a, a racing car put on a demonstration, and I've never been to a major concert and seen a motor racer in it meeting out the back. So I, I just think they're extraneous. So you know, boo hoo. Who cares?
Grant, what about the, the feeling and the, the, the feedback you get on that subject? Uh, well, look, I'm not one to go and uh, go to the concerts myself. Some of them sound uh, interesting, but um, as you could imagine at speedcafe.com, we're always working too damn hard to go and enjoy ourselves after the uh, after the race. So I don't know, folks. I'm I'm not entirely sure. I um, I agree with you there. Not that what you're saying is wrong, but you know, I, I think that the concerts or you know any sort of uh, extra entertainment you can offer. Um, the the public there can is, can be a bonus and and should be should be seen as a bonus. But uh, you know if you've got to pay a, uh, extra uh, beyond your race ticket to go to go to the concert, then uh, you know that that does seem a, a tad uh, a tad rough on on the on the punter. Um, but look, what? Uh, I'm not uh, I'm not too fussed either way. I don't get to go see them, and there hasn't really been any bands that I'd be um, all that interested in at uh, V8 or F1 races. We need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders, but I'm sure there'll be plenty more right after this. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, Fogues and Grant Aroli. And uh, Fogues, I know you wanted to say something just before Grant. Uh, I wrapped it up there before the interval. Oh, nothing more than just to underline what I was saying. That you know, if you want to go to a concert, go to a concert. <laughs> and the fact that the pundits pay extra to see the concerts at the Grand Prix only you know reinforces that view. It was a particularly deb- you know particularly when it's a really you know. Big name act like you know a few years back we had Kiss. Well, you know, Kiss could have um, you know would have been more profitable. I would have thought, and a, and a, a bigger event to have a, a concert on their own, you know, rather than tack them on onto the end of the of the Grand Prix. Mm. It, it, in Adelaide, where this first happened, it was a de bono exercise in lateral thinking. We're going to have X amount of hundreds of uh, hundred thousand people leaving that precinct. How can we space it out? And that's where they came up with the idea, well, if we put a concert on, we'll have part of the punters leave, we'll have then a few people leave after the first act and a few people stay for the second act, and then it was purely a lateral thinking, how can we dissipate the crowd in a more orderly fashion? Since then, it's been uh, championed into the rock and race format, I think is what you would say has now become its peak. And, you know, you can't fault the logic of it, it's just that now it's become, I guess, expected at V8 events and at other events around the country. Moving on, the cost of replacing cars this year, is it financially, folks, more expensive this year when you're replacing a car like we, or, or doing major repairs to a car that you know has got no future in the series? Well, it's not going to be any more expensive than it has been, but at the end of the year, all these cars are going to be not worthless, but not worth very much. There's going to be a flood of current spec cars onto the market, so, you know, not even the Dunlop series can take up the slack there. So, 
you know, the teams are faced with an enormous cost to change over to car of the future already, you know, up to $2 million, I'm hearing, for, you know, a big multi-car team. Um, and they aren't going to be able to defray much of that cost by selling their second-hand cars, which they've been able to do in the past for, you know, quite handsome figures. So, you know, but that's just the cost of doing business, you know, car of the future to move the game forward. Um, they have to make that big leap and um, they've got to swallow the cost. Um, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of cheap current spec V8 supercars around. Maybe Prowler and I could buy buy one each and have little, have races in our backyards. Well, we'll be able to get a very good one as well at the, uh, the Dunlop series. Uh, as you say, we'll have a, an extremely good uh, choice of cars for, for next year. Uh, I think, you know, there was talk some time ago that um, Martin Whitaker and uh, and the other uh, head honchos there of V8s would have liked to have seen the, the, the current spec cars move and live and race over uh, in, in other parts of the world, but, um, you know, that's gone really quiet. So, um, yeah, the uh, Dunlop series is going to take take the uh, brunt of it, which, which should be um, quite good for the um, artillery that could uh, compete there. Um, whether that means uh, you know bigger fields or what have you, I'm not uh, I'm not too sure because I'm sure the teams won't want to be um, doing the exercise of running a car in a Dunlop series any cheaper. I guess it kind of it costs what it is, and it is a pretty expensive thing to to do. Uh, perhaps now a, a margin, a fraction cheaper, given that the, the cars are old specifications. So um, yeah, it, um, it it will be interesting to see. Um, See, uh, you know how it turns up in in next year's Dunlop series, and hopefully it um, boosts that even further. Even I think it's actually in a quite a good um, position this year with um, with quite a number of good teams uh, competing in it. But hopefully they can they can do more. But it's uh, at the end of the day, it's only going to be sponsorship dollars or personal dollars that are going to put those cars on the grid. Mm. But interestingly, as you said, uh, Grant, uh, and I'd like to get Fogues' opinion on it, the Dunlop series has had a real shot in the arm this year and it could be the thing that starts to get the Dunlop series some traction is having top quality cars and good drivers and as uh, V8X showed there's some ridiculous money out there for people who want to buy into the main game if the Dunlop series has enough prestige and that's only going to be time will tell if it comes off folks perhaps some of that money is going to go into teams coffers and the second tier but it, it definitely mean they'd have to repackage the Dunlop series well the development series is really only going to move forward in terms of profile if they eventually relent and let the main gamers, you know, pop in and out so that um, you can get some big names in the Dunlop series and the competitors in the Dunlop series who are aspiring to the main game, they can, uh, you know, race against the top guys and uh, use them as a yardstick. We'd get a lot better idea of um, who's who in the zoo and who's worth promoting, um, you know, and as we know, it used to be part of the course in NASCAR with um, all the guns dropping back regularly into the Nationwide Series, and it certainly boosted that series profile. They've watered that down a bit, but I'm still in favour of uh, of letting uh, main gamers have a limited number of runs during the year mm. in the development series. I think it would be very good for the series and the sport overall. Mm. But an even better idea, I think, is that 
the V8 supercars that are left over after the Dunlop series rush on them at the end of this year, they should go to the Speed Cafe V8 supercar series and, and Grant and I could just race against all our mates. What do you reckon, Grant? <laughs> for sure. Uh, if you can uh, float that with someone who's willing to write a check for it, then I'll, I'll be in for sure. Oh, your website, which is taking over the world, you've got huge resources. <laughs> be a mere bagatelle. Hey, well, one person that might uh, find some money in their kit bag might be Nissan. They've uh, certainly stepped in. And it was interesting. I know Stefan last week said it was the uh, biggest waste of time he had been to a com- press conference in uh, in probably the last 12 months. But Dave Malone and Tony Cochran were, were talking about the TV rights and how much more interest they're having in it. But it was interesting. One quote, they said that... Uh, with the new manufacturer coming in and with the suite of sponsors that V8 bring, it's attractive to a broadcaster. Now, that to me, folks and, and Grant, sounds like V8s are just buying their time on air and they're doing it by having partners that are willing to pay for it, which doesn't, which isn't what the V8s like to say when they talk about their TV rights deal. Folks? Oh, I have to go with this one, do I? Well, Grant can. Well, no, I, I'm not. I'm not really sure. I'm seeing your point. I mean, obviously, having another manufacturer in the series will be more attractive to broadcasters because Nissan, particularly, is uh, another potential source of revenue, and they've already signalled the fact that they're going to be um, spending a lot of money uh, activating their involvement. In other words, they're going to be spending money on promoting the fact that um, they're in V8 supercars. So that will nat- uh, naturally, you know, flow into over into advertising on TV and elsewhere. So I guess in simple terms, it does increase the value and the appeal of V8 supercars potentially to, um, you know, broadcasters, um, simple as. Whether in itself more manufacturers makes the series more valuable, um, that's highly debatable. Mm. But, Grant, I guess what I'm saying is if your suite of sponsors are the one bringing the money in, are you not just IndyCar, who's buying their media time and buying their airtime, really uh, just uh, in another form? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I can kind of see what you're saying. But, uh, you know, with the with the um, with Nissan, I think, as we've always said, or as I've always said throughout with Nissan or any other manufacturer that comes in, they're, yes, they are a manufacturer, but at the end of the day, they're they're just another sponsor coming into the series. Not just another sponsor. Obviously, a sponsor is going to pay a premium amount to to be involved. Um, so, look, the yeah, you know, the TV stuff. It's it's an expensive uh, it's an expensive game, and um, yeah, geez, I don't know. They'll uh, they'll leverage uh, how they see fit, and of course, that will come with. Um, Space on TV, so you know they want to use that to, to leverage and to activate with uh, with what they've got. So, like uh, you know, it would be no different though if um, a, you know, if Telstra, no, not Telstra is a bad example, but you know, if a, another large company of McDonald's decided to come in and uh, sponsor a car, they uh, you know Channel Seven would be uh, one of the first companies to call them up and say, well, you've got your stickers on this race car, you might like to take some. Uh, TV space with this as well, and you know, V8s might uh, 
might facilitate in, in that happening. So I can't see how the, any manufacturer is different to any other sponsor involved in the sport. Mm-hmm. All right. That's... No, they're not, they're not at all, if I can just add. You know, every rights holder in, you know, on sports TV, they essentially feed off the, if you like, institutional sponsors in the sport. Just take a look around. You know, look at the AFL, Sevens AFL coverage. Uh, you know, it's full of major sponsors that are involved in the sport, either as sponsors of the AFL or sponsors of individual clubs. And I dare say it's the same if you watch the footy coverage or around the coverage of the games anyway on Fox Sports and certainly any other, you know, the Australian Open, the sponsors of the uh, of the tournament, you know, they largely feature among the uh, advertisers during Sevens telecast. So um, it's pretty par for the course, I think. Mm. All right, then, uh, first to you folks. Who was the biggest surprise in the bottom eight cars after round one of the championship? I'll run them through them for you. David Wall, Carl, Carl Reindler, Michael Caruso, James Moffat, Jason Bright, Jonathan Webb, Greg Murphy, Taz Douglas and James Courtney in 28th. Well, you could say that James Moffat and Jonathan Webb... Uh, are surprises, and Webb particularly for his um, extraordinary qualifying pace. But you know, obviously, he was knocked out of the running by the you know being having his car or having Murphy piling in the back of his car and knocking him out of the event. So, and, and James Moffat's performance was you know under par, to put it bluntly. But you know, obviously, the surprise down there still is James Courtney, you know, we were hoping he's going to pick himself up and, and, and get on with it, and, and um, you know, yes, he had car troubles and, um, you know, a failure that caused a, a, that big crash in Turn 8 and then um, uh, more failures um, in the second race, so, you know, it wasn't due to driving ability, but, you know, in, in simple terms, who would you have not expected to see down there? And, you know, the, the one that stands out is James Courtney. Mm. Grant? Yeah, look, he summed it up perfectly there. A disastrous start for James. And, you know, we're not going to see him uh, languishing there in 28th for, uh, for very long. I dare say next time they hand out points, he'll, uh, he would have moved up uh, quite a few places. So, you know, he's a much better driver than, um, than, than that and to have two mechanical failures and one end in a, in a big crash, um, yeah, has uh, left him... Uh, languishing at the bottom but um, you know it won't be the last time and uh, yeah I don't know just like just the the uh, you know looking through the list with uh, John Webb and Greg Murphy obviously they didn't get to compete and Jason Bright was involved in a in a big accident he was probably expecting more from the weekend Taz Douglas in in second last I thought he did a very good job um, and certainly deserved much better than uh, 27th he certainly wasn't the 27th best driver um, at Adelaide so uh, I think the leaderboard that we've got at the moment after two races is going to take a, a massive shake up um, you know by the time by, certainly by the time we get to Bathurst and definitely by the time we get to um, the end of the season so uh, I don't think anyone should be uh, writing off you know, um, um, most at this point, uh, there will still be a, uh, a a lot to go on before um, a, a champion is crowned. Mm. Well, finally to you, Grant and folks. Grant, first, who's going to win the AGP test session? <laughs> um, 
I got a feeling that FPR will uh, go out there and do it with one of their three cars, or, or probably more likely uh, the Winterbottom, Winterbottom or Will Davison entry. I think they're riding a, uh, a, a small wave at the moment, and uh, they'll be uh, they'll be pretty keen to, to kick that on. So whether they concentrate all their efforts on making sure one car's right at the front and use the other car as a bit of a test mule, as we've talked about, then. You know, they might do that, but I'm pretty sure that those guys will be uh, pretty keen to, to get out there and do it. But, you know, look, this is my thoughts on this aren't going to be any different to any other round. It's, um, it's going to be FPR, it's going to be um, Team Vodafone, or it's going to be uh, whole HRT, and if anyone else uh, grabs a win, it'll be labelled as a surprise. Mm. Folks? I almost agree. Um, yeah, FPR seem to have the pace right now but I would go for David Reynolds in there I'd go for the for the roughie um, you know send him out and see if he can get a bit of uh, confidence up and uh, put a couple of wins under his belt um, you know he needs to settle down he was a bit too excited in Adelaide but you know I mean otherwise you know even if they're mucking around and testing you, you, you've still got to just look at the, the usual suspects as well as FPR you know pick a number any number from Team Vodafone and from you know well, at least Garth Tander amongst, um, you know, the uh, in HRT, um, and then you know maybe the Kellys. But um, you know, if I were a betting man, I'd go for the outsider. I'd go for David Reynolds. Mm. Well, Fogs and Grant, great to have you on the show this week, and uh, look forward to uh, seeing all your work in the upcoming weeks till we can have you on the show again. Cheers, thanks. You're welcome, Craig. I'm off to the Grand Prix. Bye. <laughs> the white flag lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, Todd Kelly got a chance to talk about his excitement for the Nissan Car of the Future program, which he's developing in a separate race shop in Melbourne. Um, well, it's obviously a pretty big year for the team. To, um, to build six cars and change manufacturers, so we've hooked into it pretty hard as, as early as we possibly could. Uh, we've actually got our first complete chassis off the jig now, which I'm pretty sure is a fair way in front of any other team. Um, and they're resetting the jig to start building the second chassis, so obviously it's a control chassis. And then you put all your uh, manufacturer-specific panels on top of that. Um, obviously the announcement was reasonably late as far as timing for building cars for next year, so um, the guys have been unbelievable in how they've been able to get the globe all together and um, we've done conferences with America, Japan and um, even been over to Japan for a few days to try and get all this stuff done as fast as possible. We've now got all the CAD drawings for the car and the engine that we'll use. Um, they've managed to do a um, almost a bit of a pre-production run of all the panels which actually ran down a production line in America yesterday 
of all the panels for the first cars and uh, they'll be air freighted over to us. So um, getting the actual parts and, and, and building the car is probably going to be the easiest thing and, and quickest thing. It's actually designing all of the, the aero kit and designing all the engine parts. So it's a huge job and um, something I'm certainly extremely excited about. I can't wait to get back to work and see what progress the guys have made, both with the engine and the chassis, but um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Before we throw it open, just go to Ian. Obviously, it's great to be here at such a massive event, one of the biggest events on the schedule. And uh, Tony mentioned in his press conference earlier, Tony Cochran, that you, you dined with him and Mark Scaife last night. So it's full systems go for Nissan already. Absolutely. Look, this year, uh, this year is all about uh, setting ourselves up for next year. Um, Clipsal, yeah, is a brilliant event. Obviously, it's it's one of the uh, flagship events and the, the first event for the year. So uh, you always want to be seen to uh, do well, and uh, we certainly want to make sure that 2012 is a year that we can uh, set ourselves up and then obviously do well here next year. So uh, that's, it's it's great, great, great to be here. But this is presence here. Uh, over to you guys. Uh, Tom, is it, when you're talking about the panels coming off the production line, can we expect it'll be the Nissan Altima, the new one? Can we say I don't know. They're just a heap of steel panels. That's all I know. <laughs> when do you have to have that first car running to be able to start matching it up with the cars that are already out there that Rick drove on uh, Thursday? Well, I've got a, a pretty um, tough timeline that I've given the guys to try and meet. Um, I'm aiming to have a complete car ready for an aero test around August, but, I mean, the, the front, the front um, spoiler alone could be up to three months of just CAD design work before you even go and make tooling and then eventually make a part. So um, if we go any later than August and then go through the aero testing phase, that'll really condense the time available to test these new cars and probably more importantly the new engine. That, that's going to be the big one because the car will be homologated and it'll have similar aero to or almost identical aero to everything else. But um, certainly aiming to have a... Uh, a complete car by around August. Do you think your first drive will not have a Nissan power plant in it? No, I definitely have a, a Nissan engine in it, yeah. yeah. We won't let him drive anything else. My thanks to Fogues and Rolly, also to Todd Kelly there as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.